You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A very happy Tuesday to you all. Plenty to get to ahead on this episode of Locked On Cougars. Our countdown to BYU fall camp continues with position group previews. Today we talk both the jack position on BYU's defense, a new position that will explain what it is, in addition to some thoughts on one of the wide receiver positions we're terming the X receiver position. We'll get to that. We'll also continue our look back at BYU football history with the 100 seasons of BYU football countdown as we talk about the 1980s 89 campaign, the ascension of Ty Detmer as the 1980s close out. We'll get to all of that ahead on today's podcast. Our title sponsor on today's show is our good friends at Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. All right, without further ado, let's get into it here. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 20th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. And if you're listening to this, just know that I am on vacation. So if there is breaking news, I am up on the lake and I will get back to it as soon as I am back from the lake. But nonetheless, wanted to make sure you guys weren't without content this week. We are talking position group previews this week in addition to continuing our look back at BYU football history. So a lot of fun to be had on, ahead on today's show. So stay with with us. Uh, it's not as if this is live anyways. This is always recorded content, but having some fun along the way and spending some downtime, much needed downtime with my wife and family and my children. And it's a blast to be with you guys all the same as well, because I consider you guys as by extension, just part of my extended family. It's fun to chat with you guys, get your interaction on the show. And like I said, there's something breaking that happens this week. I'll get to it on the Monday edition next Monday, or maybe a special edition this weekend once I get back. But nonetheless, let's get going here on a Tuesday edition of the show. And today we're talking position groups. We're going to start off today with a look at the X receiver position. And BYU's depth chart they handed out at BYU Football Media Day had three different receiver positions listed, but they did not indicate X, Z, or what they normally term an H receiver. They just had WR by all of them. So I am doing it the way I'm terming it is what I would expect to be the quote-unquote X receiver position. And just as a heads up on this, is BYU's position groups, especially when it comes to wide receiver, they're interchangeable by and large. They do have guys who specialize in different things, it seems like, on the field, but by and large, the expectation if you're a receiver in Aaron Roderick's offense is that they can put you in at any of the right wide receiver positions and you will understand at least the baseline of what you're supposed to accomplish in the offense in that position. So today we're talking about the X receiver position and that brings us to a look at three players that I am very intrigued by, led by number 18 Gunnar Romney 6 foot 3 195 pound junior wide receiver Romney was the guy last year who was just the almost touchdown guy would seemingly get to the one foot line but would not get the ball across the goal line and score touchdowns Dax Milne took a lot of the headlines last year having a thousand yard season but I expect Gunnar Romney this year is going to be a force for the BYU offense I think he steps into the limelight as the true number one I think many people when he first came to BYU as a highly thought of prospect expected him to be Austin Colley 
That was probably unfair expectation heaped upon his shoulders. He's been hampered by hamstring er, hamstring injuries earlier on in his career and the hope is that those are behind him. Recently also got married, so congratulations to him on uh, tying the knot with his lovely bride. So congratulations to him. He's the second in the Romney family. His older brother, Baylor, competing at quarterback, also married uh, as well. So two of the Romney boys married. Their younger brother, Tate, will be coming off a mission, I believe, in time for next season to join the program. But it's really, really cool to see what's happening with Gunnar Romney. I think we're seeing him blossom right before our eyes, and I expect his best football is still in front of him. He is considered a true junior going into this uh, this campaign. Still has two years. Technically, he could play at BYU, and the hope is, in my opinion, if he has a big enough season, that he will make the jump to the NFL after this year. He's got the size, six foot three, 195 pounds. It's kind of prototypical size. Can he show off the wheels, the hands, and just the overall production that the NFL craves in a receiver to make him worthy of a draft pick next year? We're going to find out. Who's backing him up? Well, we have Braden Cosper, the six foot three, 205 pound prospect, who's a redshirt sophomore. Cosper has battled back, to his credit, from numerous knee injuries, two major ones that I know of during his time at BYU, two major surgeries on that knee, and has come back to be a pretty productive member when he's been called upon in BYU's offense. Does he have the pass catching and the overall speed element that I think will set him apart or make, maybe make him a quote unquote star player? at BYU? No, I think those days are behind him, honestly, but he is very much a capable body who is more than uh, more than, what am I trying to say? He's more than just a, a body out there who's taken up a roster slot. Let's put it that way. He showed last year to be a willing blocker, could catch passes when called upon, but he is going to be a guy who's very much a big part of what BYU is trying to do. He's a big body, a guy who's six foot three, two hundred and five pounds, very capable in the blocking game, and that's kind of how he found his way onto the field last year after those numerous knee injuries. There was some concern that he may ne- never ultimately realize uh, his playing days uh, or his playing potential at BYU. But last year we started to see him show some things, and the hope is, is he now is listed as a backup to Gunnar Romney that he can be that guy out that can go out there and be an impact player. He is also on the depth chart listed with an or next to his name at number 85 speaking of Cosper by number 89 Cade Moore 5 foot 11 170 pound athlete out of Lehigh High School Cade Moore is a name that I have heard about for the better part of two off seasons now since joining the BYU football program I watched Cade play high school football at Lehigh it's not too far away from my home and I also do a fair amount of prep work uh, in terms of covering preps for my radio station Cade Moore was ultra reliable and ultra productive at the high school level. The concern was would his size, 5'11", 170 pounds, and speed, etc., translate to the collegiate level? Well, since he has arrived at BYU, I have been told, hey, there's this gritty young man, a young player from Lehigh, and people couldn't remember his name initially when they were telling me about him, who just consistently catches everything thrown his way. That's what Cade Moore is known for are his hands. He's never going to be a physically imposing receiver. Let's be clear about that. This is not a guy who's going to walk out on the field and the opposing players going to be like, that's a dude. The two guys in front of him on the depth chart, technically Gunnar Romney and Braden Cosper, they look more the part. Cade Moore, and this is nothing against him, does not look the part, but what sets him apart is he is ultra reliable. Those hands catch everything. They're seemingly super glue when a football gets near them. That is what is going to give him a chance 
chance to be a, a good player for BYU. Will he ever be a Dax Milne? I don't know that he will, but is he capable of earning a scholarship for himself? I firmly believe that is in the future for Cade Moore if he can realize what he is doing. He's still technically a true freshman for the BYU football program, so he's got time on his side to continue to develop and show what he can do, but it was good to see his name make it here on the depth chart, especially what we're terming that X receiver position. He easily could have been slotted in what they like to call the H in old BYU parlance. The H was the slot receiver, and that may be where you see him uh, maybe participate more is at slot receiver, but Cade Moore, he has a lot of skills. Not a burner, not the biggest guy, but when that ball is anywhere near him, he's kind of a throwback to the old era of BYU receivers that Aaron Roderick, I think, will truly appreciate that is if your hand touches it, you're expected to catch it, and that's what Cade Moore brings to this position. So, obviously, the headliner here is Gunnar Romney. We're expecting him to become the true alpha of this group. That is the hope this year. Obviously, other guys will be trying to do the exact same thing, but Gunnar Romney produced it at a very high level last year. Little overshadowed, obviously, by what Dax Milne did, but the expectation is this year, 2021, will be the year of Gunnar Romney. And that's not to say that guys like Braden Cosper or Cade Moore behind him will not push him every single day, but I really, really like the potential, especially of this X receiver position and looking forward to seeing what they can show. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll look back in BYU football history, talking about 1989 for the BYU football program. And then later on in today's show, we'll flip over to the defense, do a position group preview of the Jack position. What is the Jack position? Glad you asked. We'll get to that in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at Bet Online. They are the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season obviously in full swing. We had the Open Championship last week. There's plenty of golf action every weekend, seemingly. UFC MMA continues to roll on. You got futures odds upcoming on college football and the NFL. No matter what your interest is, head to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device now and sign up for your free account at betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the action and have some fun in the sports betting world. Right now, there's a 50% welcome bonus available to all of you listening to this show. All you've got to do is go to betonline.ag and when you make your first deposit, use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. 50% of whatever you deposit the first time, add it into your account to bet with for free. Really simple, guys. Really fun. Take advantage of the offer now. That's betonline.ag. Promo code locked on with that first deposit. It's all courtesy of Bet Online as they are your online sportsbook experts. All right, my friends, as we continue our look back to the BYU football history books, let's look at the 1989 season today on the podcast. And obviously, many of you remember 1989 fondly, maybe even 1990 a little more fondly, as this was the heyday, the era of Ty Detmer. And boy, did he take off in 1989. As we talked about yesterday, the 1988 season was his redshirt freshman year. He split time with Sean Covey. I think there was some hope, and this is just probably me speaking, that the coaching staff was going to have Sean Covey really finish things out, be the guy, and then Ty Detmer take over. I got to tell you what, Ty Detmer finished out the 1988 season in fine fashion with that MVP honors in the bowl win over Colorado, rallying the Cougars off the bench to that victory. Well, 1989, Ty Detmer was 
undisputedly the guy for the BYU offense. And it's still funny to me that Ty Detmer was as small as he was, but he was just so good. But that's what it was so good about him as a player is he was not physically imposing. We talked about just a minute ago, a guy like, uh, not Hobbs Nyberg, that's another guy we're talking about. We're talking about Cade Moore, who's not physically imposing, but just gets the job done. Well, Ty Detmer might, may have been the ultimate guy in terms of that. Six foot, what, 170 pounds, 180 pounds at very most, it felt like, when he was tearing it up for BYU, but just knew exactly where he was going with the football and was unstoppable, plain and simple. BYU was back in the quarterback business. We talked about how 1985, we've talked about this last week on the podcast by and large, 1985 when Robbie Bosco graduated, well, there was a seemingly gap in the BYU quarterback pantheon of greats. You think about it, 1985, Steve Lindsley, 1986 was Steve Lindsley's year. 1987 had multiple guys playing. We talked about 1988 yesterday where it split time between Covey and Detmer. Well, Ty Detmer announced himself and became the guy. For the season in 1989, Detmer passed for 4,560 yards, a grand total of 32 touchdowns against 15 interceptions. He did absorb 37 sacks, but it did not slow him down at all. He was utterly phenomenal. This is also the heyday of Chris Smith. Many of you remember that number 94 jersey, absolutely tearing it up. He had 60 receptions for 1,090 1,090 yards and five touchdowns on his way to All-American honors. Had a season long of a 76-yard reception. Matt Bellini had 700 yards in his own right and six touchdowns. Andy Boy, 712 yards and two touchdowns. Oh, and there's this guy by by the name of Fred Whittingham who had a 1,000-yard season overall from a total offense perspective. 582 yards rushing and eight touchdowns in addition to 465 yards receiving and three touchdowns. And funny enough, the leading touchdown receiver was none of the above. Jeff Franson, 596 yards. He led the team with nine touchdown receptions. So this was an offense, folks. It just was utterly phenomenal. And the season played out that way. BYU started as the number 19 team in the country, was hosting, uh, not hosting, they went to New Mexico to open the year, won that game at 24 to 3. BYU then was ranked number 24 as they came home to host Washington State. And this was an absolutely classic game as the Cougars prevailed 46 to 41. Which Cougars? Oh yes, the Red Cougars, the Wazoo Cougars came to Cougar Stadium and spoiled BYU's home opener 46 to 41. So left BYU one and one on the year. They fell out of the national rankings as they traveled for the next two games, going to Navy, winning that game 31 to 10, smacking around the midshipmen. Ty Detmer was utterly f- phenomenal in that game. Any of you can go back and watch these games. Funny enough, that YouTube is a great repository if you want to watch some of these classic games. The following week, the Cougars, after a bye week having traveled to Navy, then went to Utah State to Romney Stadium, beat the Aggies 37 to 10. So, you know what? Back to operation as normal. The three and one coming out of September. Then they hosted Wyoming in Provo, won that game 36-20, getting some revenge for 1988 in the process, and then re-entered the national rankings. On October 14th, BYU was at Colorado State as the number 25 team in the country, and this is where things got really fun for the BYU offense, folks. They smashed the Rams 45-16, followed that up a week later as the number 21 team in the country, blowing out UTEP 49-24. You're noticing a trend as the the offense gets rolling, but then a little bit of a stunner. BYU is the number 18 team, and this kind of happened uh, a fair amount with with Lavelle Edwards. They went to Hawaii at the end of October 
and were stunned 56 to 14. The Rainbow Warriors just laid it on the Cougars. And I can tell you this much, knowing what I know of Hawaii fans, they love nothing more than when Hawaii pastes BYU. And we can tell you this much, they really much, very much enjoyed that. But BYU then fell to number 23 as they hosted Oregon on November 4th. A Pac-12 team coming to Utah in the, in November? What is, it, what is this sorcery? Well, they took care of business, winning that game 45 to 41. Then they beat Air Force as the number 21 team once again, 44 to 35. And then came their annual rivalry game against Utah. They ranked number 21 in the Holy War going into that game on November 18th. And Ty Detmer had just a maestro performance. They win that game at 70 to 31, getting revenge, as we all know, from 1988, as we talked about yesterday, the surprise blowout victory for Utah. Well, Ty Detmer and the Cougars, they decided, you know what? We're going to one-up you. 70 points, the most scored by any team in rivalry history. The Cougars just laid it to the Utes, winning that game. Then they finish off the regular season on the road at San Diego State in Jack Murphy Stadium, winning that game as the number 21 team once again, 48-27. to That ended the season with the Cougars a healthy 10-2, 7-1 in the WAC, winning the Western Athletic Conference title once again, and making their return to the Holiday Bowl, where they took on number 18 Penn State at Jack Murphy Stadium. This is number 19 versus number 18. Actually, a pretty good game, but Joe Paterno got the last laugh on his good friend Lavelle Edwards, winning that game 50-39, dropping BYU's overall record on the season to 10-3. As I mentioned, WAC champions at 7-1 on the year, but a great season, no doubt, for BYU as Ty Detmer set the stage for what we all know as the 1990 season, and oh yes, a certain thing called the Heisman that we will talk about on tomorrow's show. A couple of notes before we go on the 1989 season included Bob Davis. Uh, many of you will remember Bob, a great linebacker for the BYU football program. Most generic name ever, it feels like, but he did total 137 tackles on his way to a starring role for BYU. Rocky Beagle, many remember his name, also had 72 tackles in that season. And Brian Mitchell, 71 tackles from his safety position, in addition to 12 pass breakups. Uh, Mitchell also led the Cougars with five interceptions on the year in addition to one pick six, one touchdown scored. Bob Davis, his lone interception of the year also went for six. So really fun. Went for six there. So really fun uh, to talk about. And uh, what would end up being future congressman and now uh, news uh, personality, Jason Chaffetz was BYU's leading kicker that year, making 53 of 56 PATs in addition to 10 of his 14 attempted field goals. His long on the season was a 47-yarder that Mr. Chaffetz, or I should say formerly Representative Chaffetz, made in that game. So there you go, the notes on the 1989 season as we continue to look back at BYU football history. But coming up next, we go right back to previewing the current team. What do we expect from the jack position what exactly is the jack position we'll get to that in just a second Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, my friends, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure their questions or seemingly intimidating other questioning when it comes to, was your car an X model or a Z model? Whatever it might be. And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer. Choosing only the brands and specifications their warehouse happens to carry. You've got a computer. You've got a smart device. You can use Rock rockauto.com at home and in your pocket and do exactly what they are doing and you avoid the questioning. 
Really simple. Save time and money when you use Rock Auto, my friends. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? The prices at Rock Auto are always significantly cheaper. For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store, just $216 from Rock Auto. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find all the solutions to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need that's rockauto.com all right folks before we go here on a tuesday edition let's do one more position preview for you guys let's talk about the jack position well jake what is the jack position in byu's defense well that's a great question i'm glad you guys asked it's actually going to be an interesting position i think for the byu defense considering it's a hybrid position and many of these on byu's depth chart are what you would call hybrid spots let's list the three guys listed at the position and it may give you some indication of what to expect from it well the start currently is listed as number 45 Pepe Tanuvasa, 6 foot 1, 235 pound redshirt junior. Tanuvasa, some of you may recall, is a former transfer from Navy, played against the midshipmen last year in his first game against his former team and actually had a really really good game. Picked up an injury in that game and then kind of was relegated to a reserve role and BYU realized that uh, during the season that Pepe Tanuvasa has got a very very quick first step, but he's more than capable of contributing as a linebacker, but that first step as a pass rusher is something they want to take advantage of. So this is kind of a spot that was created specifically for Tanu Vasa. His backup on this list is Jariah Leatawa, the redshirt senior, six foot four, two hundred and sixty-five pounds, and then Alex Muti, an incoming freshman from Hawaii, six foot three, two hundred and twenty-eight pounds. So what do I envision this position becoming? I envision it becoming the hybrid four-three slash three-four stand-up pass rushing role that you saw a guy like Trevor Riley run to great effect at the University of Utah. Many of you will recall Trevor Riley was just absolutely a terror off the edge, but he would sometimes line up in a two-point stan- two stance as a linebacker, then walk up and rush the passers. Other times, he'd line up as a defensive end and rush the passer that way, or he'd drop into coverage. It's a position that is built on versatility and I think it's tailor-made for what Pepe Tanuvasa brings to the field for BYU. Not necessarily the most fluid athlete at linebacker but also not the biggest and the best pass rusher on BYU's team. Why not make a position where he can have an, have a role and be most effective in what he can do on the field? That's what I expect this to be. I am mildly surprised that Uriah Leatawa is listed in this position because he's a big body. Uriah is pushing almost 200 70 pounds listed at 265 he's listed as the starter at opposite end for BYU which is kind of that true pass rusher you line up as that quote-unquote wide nine technique where you're way outside the offensive tackle and your goal is I'm going after that quarterback that is what I think Uriah Leotau's ideal position is that's what he should be but Obviously, this coaching staff believes that he can be a two-way uh, player where he could stand up and maybe contribute in the defensive passing game role as well. 
uh, I'm not the coach, plain and simple. I will freely admit that I am just an armchair analyst looking at this, but I like this position. I'm glad it was created. I'm glad a guy like Pepe Tonuvasa will kind of be the guinea pig for it. But a guy like Alex Muti, I think him an incoming freshman, I think he's from Kona Waina High School out there in Hawaii, if I recall correctly. Muti, I think, is tailor-made for this role as well. Similar size to Tonuvasa, a little bit taller at six foot three, but 228 pounds as a freshman and a 235-pound redshirt junior. It's kind of your uh, mentor in this role. I really like the versatility of this position, and I think it's something that BYU will be able to use. Will the Jack always be on the field? No. This is very much a specialty job, uh, one that you have when certain lineups, certain matchups uh, appear. That's when they're inserted into this game, and I'm glad that BYU is kind of acknowledging, hey, we're going to be a very versatile defense, as they should be, and we'll look forward to seeing how the Jack does, how Pepe Tanuvasa, Uriah Leotawa, and Alex Muti do in this newly created role. All all right, so there you have it. That is the Tuesday edition of this podcast. Hope you all are doing fantastic. As I mentioned, breaking news. We'll get to it the second we're back. I may weigh in on social media, so please follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search us out at Locked On Cougars. You also can email the show anytime you guys have got questions, concerns, or comments, or even advertising inquiries by emailing us. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address to do just that. Hope you guys are all doing great here on the Tuesday, and of course, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the podcast until then this has been the locked on cougars podcast for july 20th 2021 and we will talk to you guys manana